following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, August 3rd, 2020. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and also my co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. What a beautiful day here in Sonoma County. Uh, I have a very special guest. Joining me on the phone will be Demetra Smith, the chair of the Sonoma County Human Rights Commission. And we'll be talking about a new report that has come out from the commission. It's called the Sonoma County Commission on Human Rights Releases Comprehensive Report on Police Violence. This report was inspired by recent events that happened in Santa Rosa on May 30th, where protesters were confronted by the Santa Rosa police with, uh, I couldn't believe this, rubber bullets and tear gas right here in our own community. Uh, I did an interview on July 13th with activist Mary Moore where she talked about in 2000 a comprehensive report was provided by the California Advisory Committee to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights about uh, community concerns about law enforcement here in Sonoma County. A very comprehensive uh, report. So now we have two reports that are dealing with some of the issues that are going on with law enforcement. And, you know, it's very interesting. I've been thinking about that a lot. And, you know, we all have to get together. We have to have regulations. We have to have controls. Otherwise, things get out of control, and that's exactly what we're seeing. So uh, it's very important. Uh, tonight at 6 o'clock, there's going to be a virtual meeting from the Community Advisory Council, which is the uh, actually the uh, committee that uh, is the oversight for the organization called ILERO. And we will be talking, uh, they'll be talking about whether they're going to put uh, the Evelyn Cheatham initiative on the ballot. And I think it's very important that people uh, tune in. And I, it's going to be a Zoom, and it's hard to give the, the information, but if you go to their website, uh, hold on a minute, let me see. I'll have to get their website. Uh, hold on. I don't have the website right in front of me. Um, oh, here we go. Here we go. Thank you, Ken. It's called socoeffectiveoversight.org. That's socoeffectiveoversight.org. And you'll have all the information, the Zoom information, and also a commentary about one of their lead organ- from one of their lead organizers of Susan Lamont, and give you a little bit of background. Well, so much is going on. I mean, it's just amazing to me. Uh, This interview that I'm going to be having with Demetra, we tried to have it two weeks ago, but there was a little problem with the phones, and she graciously accepted to come on today. And, you know, I, I think the timing is perfect right now because, you know, we just condolences to uh Congressman uh John Lewis's family. He passed away and what was so amazing about what he did is he wrote a letter that was uh, published in the uh, uh, New York Times that he wanted printed after he made his transition. And I just want to read you um, a few lines. He's talking about himself. 
you know, and I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the young people out there that are protesting. And this is what John Lewis said in his letter. It's a rather long letter. I'm going to post it on www.womenspaces. But I just I just want to read this little section here because it's, it just reminds me of what's happening right now all across the globe. Young people coming out. And here's what John Lewis wrote. Like so many young people today, I was searching for a way out or some might say a way in. And when I heard the voice of Dr. Martin Luther King on an old radio, he was talking about the philosophy and the discipline of nonviolence. He said we are all complicit when we tolerate injustice. He said it is not enough to say it will get better by and by. He said each one of us has a moral obligation to stand up, speak up, and speak out. When you see something that is not right, you must say something. You must do something. Democracy is not a state. It is an act. And each generation must do its part to help build what is called the beloved community, a nation and a world society at peace with itself. Ordinary people with extraordinary vision can redeem the soul of America by getting what I call into good trouble, necessary trouble, voting and participating in the democratic process are the key. The vote is the most powerful nonviolent change and action agent you have in a democratic society. You must use it because it is not guaranteed you can lose it. So these are the words of John Lewis. What a wonderful man he was, and what a what a courageous youth he was. I was trying to watch the film Selma, and I'll tell you something: I could not do it. I could not do it. I mean, just just watching what was happening and watching the the way they set the the scene up, uh, the young young girls in the in the uh, in the church that was blown up. You know, they made the scene so comfy. You know, they were preparing to go sing and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, this explosion. And I just sat there in front of my television and I asked myself, what human being, what type of human being can do something like this to innocent children, to innocent people? For one reason and one reason alone, they don't like the color of their skin. I mean, for God's sakes, such a horror. A horrific thing. And when I saw that, I said to myself, as a mother, as a grandmother, I must stand up and I must speak out. Exactly. Exactly what, what Congressman Lewis said. When you see an injustice, you have to say something. And that's the importance of this report that came out from the Commission on the Human Rights here in Sonoma County. They're making a statement. They're educating us. And we need to do something. And the idea of putting the initiative, the Evelyn Sheetham uh, initiative, on the ballot, why is that important? Because we've had one report from the U.S. Commission on Human Rights. We've had, we had the Alero thing. We had the shooting of Andy Lopez, but almost 100 shootings in this county alone. $9.5 million paid out in, in uh, fees, you know, from, from lawsuits because of the injustices that have happened. And it's, let the people decide. It looks like the public, the public, uh, our service, the people that are serving us can't make a decision. You know, they have to have one task force after another. And what are they hearing? They're hearing the same thing over and over and over and over again. We need oversight, period. Why fear it? 
it's a way where we can all feel comfortable, including law enforcement, because they know, hey, we got to be careful. You know, there's oversight. We're being watched. We don't have carte blanche to just go around beating people or killing people. And also, who who wants to do those things? I mean, I, I just think of here in downtown Santa Rosa, I think of going to the courthouse square where these people are protesting. What kind of human being would hit somebody in the face with a with a bullet? Even though it's a rubber bullet, it, it caused extensive damage. Who are these people? that are willing to do this. I wish one of them would write me at www.womenspaces.com and tell me how they overcome their own conscience of hurting other people. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Well, that's enough of a commentary this morning. Here it is, August 3rd. 2020, and this is the month that we are going to be celebrating 100 years since the ratification of the 19th Amendment for the Constitution of the United States, where women were given the right to vote. I don't like the word given the right. We won the right to vote. It was a struggle. You see what's happening in the streets right now? Well, that's what happened to women when they were trying to get the vote. And it's very important that we recognize that. And also, it's very important since it's been a hundred years, instead of moving forward, it feels like we're going backwards. Now, our, our employee is not going to give us birth control. We have to go up to them and say, hey, listen, I'm having sex. I need birth control. Come on. I mean, I just do not understand that. I do not understand it. We're so overpopulated as it is, we can't even take care of our own people. There's refugees coming in from all over the world, and women are going to be denied birth control and their insurance if their employer decides that they shouldn't have it. Something wrong here, ladies. Something wrong. The struggle that we have encountered, not only over this last 100 years, but the 72 years that it took for us to even get the vote. And the whole idea was that we would have freedoms. We would have freedom of choice over our bodies. We could vote. We could stop wars. We could do all kinds of things. And yet we have women voting for war. So there's a lot to look at as we celebrate this 100th anniversary. And we have to ask ourselves, what as women do we need to do? And I believe we need to stand up, all of us, for the future of our children. Anyway, that's a lot to think about, a lot to chew on. But, you know, that's what Women's Spaces is all about. Well, let's look at our history as our strength. You know, let's look at August birthdays for some very famous women. August 1st, 1923, and she made her transition in 2006. Beatrice Medicine, a standing rock Sioux anthropologist focused on the roles of Lakota women in changes facing their cultures in areas including bilingual education, alcohol and drug abuse, and socialization of children and identity needs. She's the author of Learning to Be an Anthropologist and Remaining Native. What a great column, excuse me, uh, title, Learning to Be an Anthropologist and Remaining Native. Another person that's very, very interesting, I, I consider myself a gray panther now, on August 3rd, 1905 was when she was born, and she made her transition in 1995, Maggie Kuhn. She was a senior rights activist who founded, 
on this day, August 3rd, the Grey Panthers. You know what the Grey Panthers are? They're a bunch, you know, like me, elderly people. <laughs> it's hard to believe I'm an elderly person, but it's happened. And then on August 6th, uh, 1886, and she made her transition in 1916 as one of my, one of my heroes and just such a beautiful woman, Inez Mulholland, a lawyer and suffrage leader, she gowned in white and riding a white horse she led in a suffrage parade in Washington, D.C. during Woodrow Wilson's inauguration. And talking about violence, this woman was thrown off her horse. Bottles were thrown at the women. Women were thrown in jail. I mean, why? Because we wanted the vote. Look what you have to, you know, folks, you know, they you hear this, this saying, oh, your vote doesn't count. Well, honey, if your vote didn't count, why is there such struggles to make sure you don't vote? I mean, think about that. If it didn't matter, hey, nothing would happen. You just go to the polls, you know, hey, nobody's going to vote. Uh-uh. Because your vote does matter that they try to suppress it. And we struggled. Women struggled for 72 years. And what a shame that women don't vote during elections. And what a shame that women still vote for war. And what a shame that we're still struggling to get medical and good education for our children. Amazing. Amazing. Well, here's another thing that happened in August. August 6, 1965, the Voting Rights Act outlawed the discriminatory literacy test that had been used to prevent African Americans from voting. Suffrage is finally fully extended to the African American woman. So here we go, 1920. Everybody, women get the vote except for the African American women. And by the way, uh, the National Organization for Women is going to have a Zoom on August 13th. If you go on www.womenspaces.com or on Facebook, uh, you can find out all the details. But it's so interesting when you think about it. Because we're going to have a guest speaker by the name of Dr. Kim D. Hester Williams. She's a, a teacher at of, wind, of Women's and Gender Studies at Sonoma State. And she's going to talk about the African-American woman in the suffrage movement. And here, 1920, we got the vote. And some 40-some-odd years later, finally, African-American women can vote. Wow. It's amazing. And then one last thing. One last thing. And that is... A very important thing, a very important thing happened. On August 8th, 1969, now this is very important, an executive order number 1478 issued by President Nixon requires each federal department and agency to establish and maintain an affirmative action program of equal employment opportunity for civilian employees and applicants. Affirmative action. It took till 1969 to say, okay, we've got to have some equality, some balance in our schools, in our workplace. We have to bring in more women of color, more men of color, more women, more different ethnic groups. Very important, August 8th, 1969. And guess what? The powers that be continue to fight to make this not possible. I ask myself all the time, what is going on? Really, what is going on? 
Well, there's a lot to think about, and I want to thank the National Women, National History Women's Alliance here in Sonoma County. And just to let you know, next week, I'm so excited. I'm going to have Molly McGregor, one of the co-founders and executive directors, going to give us a little historical perspective on the women's movement. And I'm really, really excited about that. There'll be lots to celebrate. And also, just to let you know, when it comes to the Zoom that the National Organization for Women is going to be having, you can go to now. N-O-W, Sonoma, S-O-N-O-M-A dot org, and you got all the information that you need, including the Zoom information. And we're really looking forward to that. Um, also, on the Zoom program for now, we're also going to have California's president, uh, Kalika Siegel, is going to be on, and she's going to talk about some of the changes that the national organization has gone through. I mean, all, they've opened up to many, many things that they were not... Uh, they were, they've always been open, but I would say they're, they're more open. And Kalika will give us an overview. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I hope I see a lot of my fans out there because it's going to be a membership and guest meeting. Uh, gathering, and I am really excited about it. I, I really am. It's really absolutely wonderful. And another thing uh, lets you know that the Sonoma County Gazette is now on the um, – on the uh, on the shelf at the newsstands, and I want to do a shout out to Leslie Graves. She did a great. It's a front page article here called "Black Lives Matter Movement," and in in the Gazette is all the all the actions and activities around the county that are happening. And really, Leslie did a wonderful report on that, and it's something we should all know and support. Because we have to support Black Lives Matters. Because if black lives don't matter, then I got news for you. You know, no lives matter. If one life is in danger, we're all in danger. That's it. And right now we're looking at our black population that is suffering the most. So black lives do matter. And this is a very important article. And it's a very important uh, paper. A shout out to Vester Copesakes for every, every month she gets that paper out. Well, that's a lot to think about, folks, and I'm really looking forward to my interview with Demetra. She's a very bright, intelligent woman and has done some amazing things for this in Sonoma County on their community, on their commission of human rights. So now we're going to take a uh, musical break, and <laughs> I love this song. It's called Political World, but I love the most part of us, sung by Carolina Chocolate Drops. It's interesting looking at the political world, and let me tell you, We are thick into it, both locally and nationally. As citizens, we must pay attention to what's going on and to speak out. When we return, I will be talking with Demetra Smith, chair of the Sonoma County Human Rights Commission. And let's go ahead, D. Ken, and play that song. One, two, three. Love don't have any place. We're living in times of men commit crimes, and crime don't have a face. We live in a political world. Icicles hanging down. Wedding bells ring and angels sing and clouds cover up the ground. We live in a political world where mercy walks the plank. Life is in his death disappears upstairs to the nearest bank. We live in a political world. Courage is the thing of the past. The house all haunted, children don't want the next day to be your last. 
living a political world, one you can see and feel. But there's no one to check, it's all a stack deck, we all know for sure that's real. We live in a political world, cities are lonesome fear. Little by little you turn in the middle, but you're never sure why you're here. A political world under the microscope. You can travel anywhere and hang yourself there. You always got more than enough rope. Living up a political world, turning and thrashing about. Soon as you're awake, you're trained to take what looks like the easy way out. We live in a political world. You better believe it. I mean, politicians make a lot of decisions for us. It's just amazing. Anyway, for you just joining in, you are listening to KPBF 89.1 FM, Calistoga, Santa Rosa. I want to remind my listeners that the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of KBBF, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my special guest joining me on the phone, Demetra Smith. Demetra, welcome. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Oh, thank you for having me. Listen, before we begin, I'd like to tell my listeners a little bit about you. Is that okay? Sure. I can't hear you, Demetra. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Go for it. Demetra Smith has served as a commissioner since 2012. She is the program manager for the junior commissioner, having mentored over 100 Sonoma County students since 2013. Congratulations to you. Demetra is the co-founder of Food for All, Comida Paro Todas, the Sonoma County Black Coalition, and Save Your Six, providing education and advocate for civil rights protection guaranteed to students nationwide. She has collaborated with the California Association of Human Relations Organizations, Congressional Black Caucus, California Association of Human Relations Organizations, NAACP, San Jose State University, Human Rights Institute, Southern Poverty Law Center, UC Berkeley School of Law, and many, many, and, and also the U.S. Department of Education and the Office for Civil Rights. Quite a background you have, Demetri. Is there anything that you would like to add? Um, well, I mean, I will just say as far as that list goes, um, you know, I encourage everyone to do this. Um, I'm a person that picks up the phone and says, you know what, I'm going to call the Congressional Black Caucus and say, hey, I'm working on this project and I think this may intersect with your work. You know, can I send it to you? Um, 
I, I will call the um, the Southern Poverty Law Center and and folks like that, you know, and I, and and you can too, you know, anyone listening. So I encourage you to, you know, often we we get these ideas about what we might want to do, and and then there's a little voice that says, oh well, you know, maybe they won't take my call, you know, tell that voice to 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 be quiet and pick up the phone and make that call because. Um, it's the only thing that, that ever makes change is, is when regular people say, you know what, not today. I'm going to do something about this. So Beautiful. I couldn't have put it any better. I agree with you 1,000%. And what's so interesting when you do that, you suddenly find out that there's someone really interested in what you have to say and you can get the ball rolling. So before we begin... Oh, be- absolutely. Before we begin, you know, as I looked, uh, tell my listeners, I have uh, the guests send me a bio. And when I looked at your bio, I found these three things. And I'd like you to talk just a little bit about what Food for All is and the Sonoma County uh, Black Coalition and Save Your Six. What, what, is the, what is, are these programs and why are they important in our community? Great question. Thank you. Well, um, Sonoma Valley in the first district where I live has a huge amount of poverty. I mean, it's with with the Springs and 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 Roseland, Moreland. It's um, you know we're on the bottom of the um, index for the Sonoma uh, portrait of Sonoma, and so there's huge you know socioeconomic inequities here, and so. The Sonoma Valley um, Food Distribution Task Force thought it would be a good idea to make all of the food distribution drive up in Sonoma Valley. They even took away sites um, where people were already walking up, right? And so we knew right away that um, from our work with folks after the Tubbs fire um, and other disasters that people were going to be going hungry. And so Comida Para Todos, Food for All, um, acts as a proxy to bring um, Redwood Empire Food Bank boxes to folks who don't have transportation for whatever reason or are homebound. And then also it's a fundraising element to bring, um, you know, culturally competent food and staples um, that people need. And, you know, like diapers, huge need, um, you know, feminine hygiene supplies, things like that. Um, so it's really meant to, um, unfortunately, I think, and this is part of the national dialogue we're having, when people with privilege are designing systems for people that are highly impacted in ways that they've never experienced, and they don't have people from those communities at the table as leadership stakeholders, whatever system they create is going to leave people out. It's going to leave the most impacted people out. And so after several weeks of lobbying the powers that be and, and telling them that there were gaps in their program and asking, um, you know, telling them what we could do to improve it, no one was interested in doing that. So we created our own program. So that's Comida Para Todos. And, um, you know, the need has just really grown. Um, uh, Sonoma County Black Coalition is a new um, black coalition. It's largely youth-led, but it's multi-generational. And basically it came out of the idea, um, well, not even the idea. We were noticing that uh, the conversation about Black Lives Matter was was happening without black leadership. And, um, you know, there were several narratives being put out in the paper that didn't align with what was going on on the ground. And so folks came together to, um, you know, uh, have a black organization that was definitely not going to participate in whatever narrative the police and the papers wanted to spin um, and and really look at self-sufficiency and agency for um, the black community in Sonoma County, which is not monolithic, um, 
but um, I'm really excited about this organization. Um, they've been doing a lot of work, um, working on racism in schools. Um, they're really working on the Evelyn Cheatham Ordinance for more effective law oversight, and they've got all kinds of great ideas planned. So I'm, I'm really proud to be a member of that coalition and, and enjoy mentoring and, and also just supporting um, them as they move forward. And then Save Your Six is an organization that I'm also a co-founder of. It came out of um, the Annalee High School civil rights violations case in 2015. Um, and the Commission on Human Rights did a study on racism in schools and found, of course, lo and behold, that racism in schools is a huge problem in Sonoma County um, that got worse after 2016. And so we work um, locally and statewide and nationwide to really um, provide support for any student that's experiencing racism in school. Most students and, um, and schools actually don't even know about Title VI. It's been so obscured. And people like Betsy DeVos and the whole um, current presidential administration would love to do away with the Office of Civil Rights. Um, but we're not going to let that happen. We've used it to fight for justice in Alabama. Uh, we've used it to help two students in Oklahoma um, do away with a racist um, a racist policy targeting um, cultural expression. We've used it here in Sonoma County, and um, it, it's something that we continue to bring um, awareness to. Um, a lot of people, I find, unfortunately, when you use the term civil rights, people's eyes will kind of glaze over and go, oh, you know, that's the black thing. Well, actually, no. Yes, we, we made that. We made the civil rights movement. But the protections that came out of that at great cost, are for all Americans, right? So um, Title VI is probably, I would say, it's one of the most important civil rights um, laws that protects us in our country. It affects all areas of government, um, and any institution that receives federal funding is is beholden to Title VI. Right. So I urge people to go to SaveYourSix.org and um, and look at it, educate educate yourself about it, because we can't let this law be be minimalized or, or destroyed. It's amazing to me uh, when you were talking about uh, the schools and some of the uh, some of the discrimination that goes on. I remember I was on the commission with you at the time when you were working on that report, and I remember having the schools come in and having a discussion, and it felt like, wait a minute, don't you know what's going on in your schools? So organizations like this are really extremely important. And if you could, if you could do me a favor and just email me uh, the websites of these programs, and we will list it on Women's Spaces. Uh, by let's let's start talking about the Human Rights Commission here in Sonoma County. You know, you've been involved for quite a while. I remember when I first met you; it was really quite an honor to be on that commission. Uh, talk a little bit about it. How did you get involved? What was your motivation? And give us a little history about the commission itself and who you believe is it serves. And then in the next the next part where we're going to talk about this uh, this amazing report that you put out. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I've always been a human rights activist. I mean, I grew, I went to a school that was founded by um, one of the founders of the community in solidarity with the people of El Salvador. So by the time I was 14, I had already learned about the School of the Americas and U.S. foreign policy and things of this nature, right? So I was always focused on human rights internationally. But I knew once I moved to Sonoma County from... Um, 
San Francisco, I could see that there was a class of brown folks here um, that was making everything run that were living at the bottom of the socioeconomic um you know, level, and that bothered me, right? As a as a kid that grew up, um, you know, with my own family boycotting certain agricultural products because of United Farm Workers Movement. So I've always been a human rights person, but I guess I didn't realize that there was a human rights commission here. And I think I happened to see a notice that commissioners were needed, and I thought, wow, you know, let me let me educate myself more about human rights in Sonoma County. And so that's how I got into it. Um, When I first joined the commission in 2012, I don't feel that the commission did serve the public. (laughs) I feel like it was more um, aligned. It was more of a kind of, um, you know, it's a nice thing for the supervisors to show that, you know, that it's something, something positive is happening. We were doing some educational stuff. Um, And and I I realized that the commission was founded by, you know, real passionate people who were wanting to address hate crimes and racism in Sonoma County at at the time um, in the 90s. But when I got into it, it it seemed like um, it just wasn't speaking for the people. The the chair at the time seemed seemed to have a big, you know, strong disdain for what she termed you know, activism rather than advocacy, and I always, I always felt those two things were linked. Um, the chair at the time was also really strongly aligned with law enforcement, and so for me, um, when things really started to diverge was after Andy Lopez was killed, and I felt that the commission was really held back from um, the work that we were um, really supposed to be doing. And so what I've done, um, and I personally want to thank every single person that came to the commission advocating for justice for Andy, um, because that was when I saw people's people's pain and and people's distrust, but then they were still coming anyway, you know, that that sort of signaled to me, you know, I need to do something. I, I need to do whatever I can to make it make sure this commission represents the people, not the, uh, you know, the agenda or the image that Sonoma County government wants to um, project. And, um, and that, you know, that was a stance that I had to take. And um, not everybody liked it. Um, some people left because of it. But I, you know, I was never really here to, to, to make a name for myself. I, I, if anything, I wanted to make a name for the people. And so there's a long way to go. Um, I, I did resign, um, and it was painful and hard to do, but I'm so excited because so many amazing people are coming to this commission. So many people know about us now. And, um, there's also going to be a community advisory collective, which is members of the public, which can, who can really support the work of, commi- of the commission and help the commission know really like what's happening, what's the word on the street, what do people really want the commission to be focusing on. And so I'm the first member of that collective as a, as a member of the public. So you're not getting rid of me anytime soon. Oh, I hope not. I mean, you've, <laughs> you've done an amazing job, my love. You know, I mean, I remember, you know, when I was appointed to the commission and sat down for the first time, it was an amazing experience. And you have definitely moved it into the direction that I believe it needs to go to serve we the people. Well, there, let's, yes. let's, let's get into the report. Um, there's a report you and the commission recently worked on, and I have to say that Ken and I read it 
together. We read it very thoroughly, and we have to compliment you. And I believe it was Jerry Threat that also worked on it with you, that you did a marvelous, marvelous job. And this report is called The Human Rights Violations, Santa Rosa, California, Policing the Black Lives Matter Protest. And again, I want to thank you for this. And what what prompted this report? You know, uh, about two weeks, I think on July 13th, oh God, a month ago, we both were on the 13th, I interviewed a woman by the name of, I'm sure you're familiar with, Mary Moore, and we talked about the report that came from the United States Commission on Civil Rights uh, that came right. into Sonoma County. So talk about this report and what prompted you? What what What's the motivation behind it and what is the hope? Um, I mean, it is so extensive. I mean, you go into such great detail. What is the hope that you you want to accomplish by this report? Well, um, there's two reasons why we decided to do the report. Um, One, um, there were severe human rights violations being reported to us um, starting on May 30th. Um, And, you know, they were severe. And... um, Unfortunately, uh, there was a you know there was a press release put out by Santa Rosa Police Department um, after the you know the most um, kind of intensive um, protest night that was just I don't know how else to say it it's not accurate the press release they put out was not accurate that um, they used restraint and they only used you know force when they needed to and, and this and that um, that was inaccurate there was also a, a press conference that happened. And um, unfortunately, the um, president of the NAACP was, the press conference really, um, unfortunately, he got kind of wrapped up in that narrative as far as, um, you know, we're going to work together, and which is great. We should work together, and we have to work together to change things. But, you know, we need accountability. So if there's a press conference that is all, you know, a room full of police and elected officials, and they're basically saying that everything's fine. Um, And then there's, um, you know, newspaper articles that come out that reinforce that. Well, you know, that doesn't align with actually what's happening. And so we felt like it was unacceptable that there might be a narrative of, one, why, why are these protests happening in our idyllic farm-to-table, you know, liberal Sonoma County? That was a narrative we didn't want to allow. Um, and that's why we went um, into detail on sort of let's look at the climate of um, law enforcement and use of force in Sonoma County. Let's look at racism and white supremacy and, and, um, and, and bias in policing in Sonoma County, and let's look at the times where other folks have come into the county and said, hey, you guys have a problem here, which is like the report you're referencing, the U.S. Civil Rights Commission. And so we put all of that in context leading up to um, the protests. Now, some of the most high-profile protesters that were most severely injured, most notably Marcus um, Redbear Martinez, uh, Pomo, um, Sonoma County resident, um, that was just insane. I mean, that's insanity to shoot someone in the face from a minimum distance of 10 or 15 feet away with uh, that kind of projectile. Um, and so we had reached out um, for support and, and help with uh, Linda Hopkins' office, helped us kind of broker a meeting with Mayor Schwedhelm and Chief Navarro, where we came in, several of us, with some of these protesters 
um, and so that they could really be confronted with, you know, this is what happened to me. This is what SRPD did. Um, and again, when I say SRPD, I'm saying that with the knowledge that we really don't know which law enforcement agencies and which officers were involved. We know there are mutual aid agreements. When Santa Rosa Police Department says, hey, we need backup, and they get that from the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department or from, Sheriff's Office, excuse me, or from Petaluma, what have you, Roner Park, who are these officers? A lot of people had their names obscured. Many officers would not give their name or their law enforcement agency when asked. So if Santa Rosa PD says, hey, we didn't do these things, who did? So we need some transparency there. And so um, because of the severity of the injuries, not just during protests, but during the booking time, when you have law, you know, you have officers insinuating sexual assault towards female protesters, talking about which female protesters they wanted to get with. I mean, I'm not using the terms they use because it's vulgar. Um, but things like that, and then in the in the jail process, you know, people being um, separated from the other protesters, um, people being denied medical care, people, you know, being trapped in a in a room where people could only sit or stand or lay down on the floor. There wasn't space to socially distance. There was vomit in the bathroom for five hours that they wouldn't clean up. I mean, just on and on and on and on and on. Particularly Not to say that every particularly right you know, now. I just go ahead. Yes. I just wanted to say, and, and if people read the report, yes, there were some officers that were trying to de-escalate and were trying, you know, being professional and friendly and all of that. Yes, there were some people at the jail that were also being professional. But the problems with, with the ideology that was displayed by a lot of the officers is hugely problematic. And so instead of going back to the mayor and the police chief with a list of demands from the protesters, we informed them, hey, there's so there's so much happening right now that instead of doing having this be internal, we're going to compile a report. We're going to release it to you and to the public, and we'll be discussing it and voting on it at our meeting. So we were totally transparent. Unfortunately, um, the police chief has engaged in you know one press releases and interviews saying that um, you know this kind of came out of nowhere and we didn't ask them for input. We absolutely did let them know that we were doing this report, and they had every opportunity to say, hey, can we see it first? Hey, can we, you know, I mean, he's even been on, on interviews saying, well, we wish the commission would, would give us more information about the cars that have supposedly run into people. You know what? They're listed on page 27, and now there's two more. So we have 12 vehicles that have either run into or attempted to run into human beings, and only one person is arrested. That's a problem. You know, so right now the report is actually, I don't, you know, it, it appears that they would like to distance themselves from it. One of the, the first, um, uh, the first demand from the protesters was to put the report on. Uh, Demetra, Demetra, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to have to stop you right there. We're going to take a musical break. Hold that thought. Okay. Just hold yeah, that. Yeah, there's a lot. I know there's, there's a oh, lot of layers no, here. That's okay. Hold that thought. Just hold that thought. No problem. Okay, so we're going to take a musical break now. And, you know, it's very interesting. As I'm listening to Demetra, as I read the report, the most important thing about it, not whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, the point is it's out there 
It needs to be discussed. It needs to be looked at. And people need to hear what's going on. So what the, ch- the song that I chose for the musical break is By My Silence. It's sung by Sonia and Disappear Fear. And the whole idea behind the song is By My Silence, I Give My Consent. You know, some people might be saying, well, gee, that's an extensive reporter. Why, why is this happening? Well, because people are speaking out, and this is important. So let's listen to the song, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Demetra Smith, who is has now resigned, oh my goodness, has now resigned from the Commission on Human Rights here in Sonoma County. She was the chair for several years, and we're, we'll continue with our conversation. Two... So when they came for the communists, I held my tongue Like a good neighbor, I minded my own business And trusted justice was done I didn't ask what was their crime It was their sadness, it was not mine I didn't care where they were sent But my silence forgave my consent Gave my I'm not Jewish, so when they came for the Jews, I had nothing to say. Branded with stars, herded by cattle into boxcars, and then taken away. I didn't ask what was their crime, it was their sadness, it was not mine. Where they were sent By my silence I gave my consent By my silence I gave my consent I didn't care When they came for the unionists Came for the socialists Took the powerless I'm not a terrorist I'm not an immigrant I'm native born Faithfully ignorant I didn't care what was their crime Till their sorrow turned into mine Till their sorrow turned into mine I was okay Cause I am a citizen And I am free I didn't care Now there's nobody left to Speak out for me Oh, every time I hear that song, I just it just gets me right to the core of my being. And one line that I picked up on this time was very, very interesting. Faithfully ignorant. 
faithfully ignorant. And let me tell you, you see a lot of that today. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And with me on the phone is Demetra Smith, chair, a former chair of the Sonoma County Human Rights Commission. And we're talking about a report that the commission just released. And also, you know, uh, Demetra, I know how difficult it is, you know, working with, uh, with law enforcement, working with the Board of Supervisors, the City Council, you know, and I think, I think every once in a while they, they forget that they're really serving we the people. And I think they have their own fears. And it's, it's really a sad circumstance that people don't recognize that we're just all part of the human race and that we need to work together to find some sort of peace and stability on this planet. Well, you know, it's really interesting. I'm listening to everything that you said, and then all of a sudden what came across my computer was that the Santa Rosa City Council formed a public safety committee to assess what has happened. And on that committee, it's uh, Mayor Tom Schwellheim, uh, Vice Mayor Victoria Fleming, and Council Member uh, John Sawyer. How do you feel that they are handling this with, with this reaction? I mean, you hear one side of the story from, of course, the police department, then you hear, you read this port on the uh, Santa Rosa from the uh, Commission on Human Rights. How, how do you think this, what is this committee? What do you think it's going to accomplish, and do you have uh, do you believe in it or have faith in it? One, if it doesn't have leadership from the communities that are disproportionately affected by police violence and white supremacy within law enforcement, it will accomplish nothing. Two, um, the first um, the the first demand from protesters is to place this report from the Human Rights Commission on the agenda for um, the city of Santa Rosa, and they have not done that. In fact, Mayor Schwedhelm um, and Chief Navarro stopped communicating with me um, once the report came out. So um, if maybe they have an intention of placing this report in, in the work of that public safety committee, and I think that would be great. Um, I, like I said, I have to look into it a little bit more. Um, but um, I, I just, you know, I, again, I'm concerned and I want to be really clear. Um, at no time did the Commission on Human Rights engage in quote-unquote categorical judgment of every officer at Santa Rosa Police Department. Um, I think it's a, really a function of patriarchy and authoritarianism to say, you know, if you critique one of us, you critique all of us. That just has no logic to it. And what we're saying is your officers have committed human rights violations according to these international human rights law documents. We feel that you should investigate this further, and we feel that accountability is necessary because now Santa Rosa and really the county of Sonoma, through contracting with um, uh, and, and, you know, and, and municipalities through contracting with um, Sonoma County sheriffs, are now also in violation of these human rights laws. So I, I watch that process in Santa Rosa with caution. I think Sonoma County, unfortunately, has um, – there's a culture of kind of doing the dog and pony show and kind of throwing up some things that look good uh, without accountability and without systemic change. And I think what the people are asking for is systemic change. So I hope that that new committee is committed to that. And I think if they're not, it will show and the people will be there to push back. 
Well, you know, it's very interesting when you, you think of all the different task force that are formed. You know, how many do you need? I mean, when I read the the report right. on 2000, they made some fantastic recommendations. I mean, the, this is these are people yeah. that came in from out of town that are very well educated, that are part of the system, that understand accountability and understand transparency, and they made some some great uh, some great uh, recommendations. You know, I'm going to be a Pollyanna here right now. I really. And I'm going to say this, that I really believe that if we can start thinking, whether you're a police officer, whether you're the, on the board of supervisors, whether you're the, the head of the, you know, the president of the United States, whatever, start thinking about everything that we do in, is, in, in, you know, encourages the future for our children. If we could just start thinking, well, how is this going to impact the future? Instead of holding on and saying, well, we've done it this way all the time. Or No, 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 no. It's time to start changing. It's time to start looking at things differently. And I'd like to say that I do have a little bit of faith that there are people. When I look at this, I, you know, when I look at this and I see Victoria Fleming on there, I have a little bit of confidence that something, something will move. And, and also also with John Sawyer, to be honest with you, you know, with Tom Schwellheim, I mean, he's an ex, he was a policeman himself, I believe he was the chief of police, so he might have, it might be a little harder for him, but I can see him changing. So I just want to say that, you know, that it, it, as bad as it sounds, because it does sound, it, I mean, when I saw the injury on that young man's face, I, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, what if that was my husband, my son, my brother, I mean, when you start thinking about it. But I think I would like to, in my own mind, you know, we've got the Evelyn Chief thing and let's let's hope i mean i don't understand why they don't put it on the ballot i mean they can't make up their mind what to do let the people decide i mean that's that's what our young people went to war for so we could vote so i just i just wanted to put that in and is we're coming to yeah i mean well go ahead no, we're coming to the end of the segment, and I just want to give you a little bit of time, any last words, and just to let you know that I am really grateful that everybody sat down and did this report. And I really want to encourage the county and people listening to read the report, encourage elected officials to look at it, to start doing something, because it's important that we look at oversight and why it's important and what is going on with law enforcement, not only just for the people, but the, law, the people, the police are people, too believe it or not so anyway any yeah last- i mean I, I i wanted to say you know if, if i would say anything right now it's like yeah police are people but unfortunately you know people's humanity is lost in uh a lot of law enforcement encounters specifically if you're black or you know bipop from a bipoc community and so you know, everything you're talking about is great, but again, you know, that's what Black Lives Matter is about, right? Like, people's lives have to matter equally. And I'm thinking about um, the fact that police officers do have an incredible high-stress job. Like, why this whole idea of, of this tough this toughness and this sort of, you know, they need counseling. They need trauma therapy. They need to, they also need to have a way to report um, folks that are engaging in these acts. Like, okay, if, if there's a police officer that's really out there that's trying to do community policing, that's really trying to get to know everybody in the community and really trying to build relationships, man, come forward. 
You know, if you're working with people that are, you know, affiliated with white supremacy or are biased or are, are, are sadistic and brutal and using, you know, use of force, like, we see these officers again and again and again, like, not being disciplined, not having the accountability, and often it ends up with someone dead before there is accountability. There well, has to be a way for police officers to come forward and speak up about these folks that that where they're not going to be targeted. You know, it's this blue code of silence. As long as we have that, it's not going to improve. So I'm just urging you, you know, I'm urging them to, to, to really look at the culture that they're creating. And, um, back, back to you know, the, the people are not going to put up with it anymore. It's back not to the, okay. Back to the song. By our silence, we give our consent. Well, Demetra exactly. Smith, thank you so much for a wonderful interview and for your passion and for pulling this together and for and for stating what you feel and believe and for encouraging change. You know, change is difficult sometimes, but it's so important. Well, a reminder, folks, that's it for our show. Again, thank you to Demetra Smith. She was the former chair of the Sonoma County Human Rights Commission. And if you go on our website, www.womenspaces.com, you will see the report. The report is linked. The link to the report is in our on our archive page. And again, that's www.womenspaces.com. Remember, the show will be on tonight at 11 o'clock. I'm so excited I get to listen to my own show. And remember... Our children are the future. We must never lose sight of that. This is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, August 3rd, 2020.